0: Thank you for listening to the Crossroads Sermons podcast. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.crossroadstw.org. All right, well, good morning, everybody. Everybody doing okay? Awesome, man. I tell you what, praise team, man, choir, great job. I found myself just kind of, sometimes you want to lift your hand, sometimes you don't know what to do, amen. And so, I was just sitting there, just kind of basking, just kind of, just, just kind of doing this, just thinking about the words, and man, so angelic. Thank you, Rocky and the team. Great leadership. I'm grateful for you. You, you, you guys, y'all are, y'all, y'all are rocking. Man, I was, I'm going to keep singing. What if we just kept singing? Just, you know, if I do like a five-minute devo and just let them sing, would that be cool? Y'all like, okay, all right. Yeah, no, we we want to hear from the Lord, amen. So, but... All that to say, man, we're in a great series, great, great, great series entitled "Follow Me." Um, this is this has been um, a journey my wife and I have been on for many years. Um, and really, to be honest, and those watching online, my wife wasn't discipled systematically until later on, after she had given her life to Christ. So she really didn't understand, to some degree, she knew church, she understood kind of the function of the church, and and uh, you know why she ought to do some things. But like, really, the the roots and just the real, no, the why. getting to the why. She didn't have that, and so being systematically discipled, man, her her walk has taken off in many ways. Has really encouraged my walk. Um, as you know, supposed to be the leader of the home, man. She's such a she's such a, a giant in the faith. And so for all the wives in here, man, that hold it down for the husbands, um, because let me tell you what. Every good husband has what? It's a beautiful wife. I'm telling you. So. With all that said, ladies, I want to say thank you. Amen. Wives in the house, I want to say thank you. That's real talk. Because men, we think we're all at the bag of chips. We, we ain't nothing. Amen. <laughs> My wife, I swear she's the fourth person of the Trinity. She keeps me in check a hey Amen. Not just check, but check alicious. Amen. So, but again, it's great. Um, next Steps, again, that's this um, afternoon after the, fir- the second service. Excuse me. I don't want to miss up Rick's nice um, uh, ordeal he had going on there. But, um, but Next Steps is we're excited. Many people are s- uh, signed up, and they're going to be there. And we're really stoked about what God is doing in our midst. And I pray that we will not get too cavalier about it. We will not get too relaxed about it. Actually, I pray that the church will lean in even more. Okay that will lean in even more. Because for some of us, it's like, what is going on? For others, it's like, man, this is so exciting. But I think for both extremes, let's lean in more to see what God is doing and what he he desires to continue to do. But also, hear me say this, how he wants to use you as a part of it. So with that said, again, ABF leaders, thank you. And so what we're going to talk about today is biblical community. There is a command in Scripture about us living in community. Doing life with other believers. So ABF leaders, if you're an ABF leader in the house right now, if you're watching online, you can stand up, amen, in your house. That's fine. But I want to acknowledge you real quick, okay? Even if you've served as an ABF leader in the years past here at Crossroads, I want you to stand as well because I want to say thank you personally from the platform. So if you have currently serving as an ABF leader or have served in this capacity over the years or even currently, stand up, will you please? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Such, amen. Come on, y'all. We can do better than that. They're on the front lines. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank y'all. On the front lines. I mean, in many ways, they're they're shepherding. They are shepherding the people. And so today, what we're going to look at, again, is biblical community. This command from Scripture, from the Lord, in regards to us living living in community. Our text today will be Hebrews chapter 10. We'll look at verse 19 all the way to verse 25, and we'll just begin to unpack it a little bit and uh, have some fun with this. And by the way, after this series, I'm very stoked about this, to kind of wet the whistle a little bit, we're going to look at the seven churches in Revelation. And so we're going to be in the book of Revelation. Some of y'all just start sweating instantly, amen. And so we're, but we're going to actually get in that book. We'll do some, some big picture stuff with different theories and all that stuff and different views. But specifically, we'll look at the seven different churches, and I'm very stoked about that coming up. Here shortly. But Hebrews chapter 10, 19 through 25. Let me go ahead and read it and then we'll begin to unpack some things. The writer of Hebrews says this Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, we just sang about this, which is very interesting, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, Jesus conquered. And Jesus made possible the impossible. Verse 21 says, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, Christ, the theme of this whole book is Jesus is better. Christ is better. The word, keyword, is better. Verse 22 says, let us draw near with a true heart. Notice a little while ago I said that we ought to lean in. Notice what the writer is telling them. Let us draw near. Let us draw near. Let's don't shrink back. And this is a big part of the context in the book of Hebrews. But let us lean in. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Now, again, this is not dealing with baptism here. He's talking about salvation, specifically the work of Jesus Christ. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And here it is. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day, capital D, drawing near. Very interesting text. Again, one of those verses we had to commit to memory back in the day in my discipleship school, and it's one I still hold dear to. Because it's in community that you and I, we actually were transformed. We're transformed how the Lord wants us to be transformed in the person he desires for us to be transformed into. However, in recent polls, if recent polls can be trusted, an upsurge of Lone Ranger, Lone Ranger Christianity or spirituality is occurring in the United States. This is, ups, this is surging. This is uh, it's, it's beginning to get the, I looked at some stats during this week, and I'm going to tell you what, It's alarming. Church attendance is down, only 50% of adults in America that walk on the soils of America are plugged into, not just attending, but plugged into actually the the best thing on this side of heaven, which is the church. Only 50%, which in the 70s it was high, in the 50s it was high, Um, 2000 it was really high, and then it began 2001, high, and then it begin to just decrease and decline, 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 decline into where we're at today—only 50 percent. Only 50 50%, only percent. 50%. When it was over, like 70, 60, 65 in years past. More and more believers are looking inward and online to find what they once were looking for or found in the Bride of Christ. This is alarming. This text is gonna help us see something that many of us, we are a part of, and maybe I'm preaching to the choir here, for some of us, I think, with the number in the room, I know for a fact that we have still some uh, on the fringes, if you will, of all that God has for them. We haven't leaned in, we haven't pressed in as the writer is encouraging us to do so. And it's funny because in this digital age, there's pros and cons. I was talking to a family a little while ago. There are pros and cons. Definitely pros and cons. I'm thankful that uh, Crossroads and the leadership, the moment I got here, we just were able to go online when the pandemic hit. Do y'all understand that? That's like, we would have been doing VHSs or something. We would have been doing, it would have been weird. But we now, but thank the Lord, here's some, some pros, if you will, for uh, the digital age. But the cons is this, is that we get accustomed to it, accustomed to it. And um, let me just say this out of the gate. Online, watch it. I'm not, I'm not knocking anybody. I know some people are really fearful still. I know some of us have had shots, both shots, and still reluctant to come back. You have to listen to the Lord, um, and the Spirit of God, as he ministers to you and, and encourages you and challenges you to lean in. But online was never created to, to replace the gathering of God's covenantal people. The church is not something, the church is not an event to watch. The church is a body in which we belong to. So I just wanna encourage us today, as we, as we walk through this, I have to, we're, gonna, we're just gonna pull up the spiritual Ginsu knives and we have to attack this in our culture because, and by the way, I will say this, going forward for those online, we are doing some things, we're having some conversations on how can we better shepherd how can we better shepherd those that still desire to be online? And we've seen this, this regular populace, but also a growing populace that watches online. So we, we want to meet you right where you're at still, though, not just, you know, cash you to the wolves. That's not our point. But the context of this, this whole scripture that we just read is the epistles, man. This, this is written to at-risk, at-risk Jewish Christians. They were tempted to turn away from Christ because of severe, not just moderate but severe persecution and as a result of that the writer said look I need to challenge them to persevere in their faith because he emphasized the word better and it's better to for them to lean in to what God is doing versus to tread back to um, religiosity so that's our text but there's a phenomenon going on too in our culture it's called Morbus Sabbaticus Morbus Sabbaticus really it means Sunday sickness it's a disease peculiar to church members, the symptoms vary, amen, but it never interferes with the appetite, it never lasts more than 24 hours, no physician is ever called, it always proves fatal, hold on, in the end to the soul, it's becoming fearfully, pre- just really prevalent, really, this is... And it's destroying thousands every single year. The attack comes on suddenly, check this out, every Sunday. No symptoms are felt on Saturday night. No patient sleeps well and wakes feeling well. He or she eats a hearty breakfast. But about church time, the attack comes on and continues until service is over. Morbid, morbid, Morbid sabbaticus. In the afternoon, after service is concluded, they have a good conscience, they feel good, I, I don't have to worry about, if you will, the services is going on, the services are concluded or half concluded. In the afternoon, he feels, he or she feels much better and is able to take a walk and read the Sunday's paper. He or she eats a hearty supper and, and a lunch, and, but after church time, he has another attack and stays at home. He or she wakes up on Monday morning refreshed and able to go to work And does not have any symptoms of disease until the following Sunday. The remedy is this be not deceived. God is not mocked. Galatians 6 and verse 7. So, why would you even talk about Morbus Sabbaticus dealing with Hebrews chapter 10? The writer wants us to understand something the content, first thought, if you're a note taker, the content of the gospel, but also the scope of the gospel. The content of the gospel, we understand this, the virgin birth, the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus and his second coming, the content of the gospel, uh, the, the things in which we're going to hold tightly to as a church will never compromise the truth of scripture. By the way, the blood still works. The cross still works. Um, but the scope is what we miss out on. And here's what the writers tell us. He says, flat out, he says, hey, therefore, brothers and sisters, Adelphos is the term. In other words, um, as the endearment, those from the same womb. In other words, there's this idea of, man, we're, we're, we're in this together. We're, we're knitted. We're close. And uh, we, we, we come as if uh, from the same womb. He says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place, By the blood of Jesus, notice this, there's commonality, if you will. The redemptive method is the same. By the new new and living way that he opened, I love what Rocky said, it's not based on us, but it's all based on the work of Christ. And as you keep reading, what you discover is, is that now our spiritual understanding and our theological position should marry. Here's what I mean. It's It's like getting married to my wife and say, hey, look, babe, love you. I say I do, but... I'm going to live in a different house. I just want you all to hear me say, to see what I'm talking about and see what the writer of Hebrews is actually pointing and highlighting for the Christian when you give your life to Christ when you accept him into your heart, when he comes in and he invades your soul in a good way for his glory, you're good. When this happens, the Bible says in Romans 11 that you are grafted into the body of Christ. So what the writer is saying is this, when we press in, let us, he uses let us three times in his whole um, um, just discourse that we read this morning. Let us, let us, let us, the first let us is this. Let us consider not only what Jesus has done, but also what he's made available for you and I through the means of the blood of Christ. And now you and I, we don't live isolated lives. We don't live in um, just uh, just this kind of lone ranger Christianity. He's saying because of the work, the content, now. Now the scope is this, we've been grafted into the body of Christ. I can't say I love Jesus, but I dis community. I can't say, babe, I love you, but I'm going to live in a different house. You see what I'm saying here? Y'all, see, y'all smell what I'm stepping in. It's one of my mentors to say, and I'd be like, man, that's a bad analogy, but I kind of like it. <laughs> the implications is this, is that the gospel fixes, it's what the writer's saying, that the gospel fixes what we have longed for. The gospel fixes this. What is it? Well, fellowship with God vertically, but then fellowship with one another. You and I, by nature, the fact that God created us this way, we crave community. And now, by the way, I know I said I'm an introvert, and it was taken out of context in many ways, but I can't, this is just how I'm wired, okay? But even for an introvert, we still, introvert, ambervert can function in both sides, or extrovert, We still long for, whether we know it or not, we still long for community. Every single blood bought believer, every single human being living on the face of the earth, every single human created, they crave community, but not only crave community, but you and I, we also thrive in community. Something happens, and the writers are saying, "Look, I want to make sure that you press in based on what Jesus has done. This is this is not just superficial. We don't just use this. It's a better way. Um, in, in light of being persecuted, here's how you're gonna re, you're gonna have more encouragement. Here's how you're gonna be more um, um, bold in your faith. Here's how there's gonna be some spiritual injection. In other words, biblical truth and just a commonality rallying around the gospel with other believers. Here's how you're gonna make it in the midst of your context. He says we have to be in we have to be in straight." Of community. You see, private Christian faith is an oxymoron. Yes, your relationship with the Lord is personal, but it's not private. That's like saying white chocolate. That's an oxymoron to me. White chocolate. I've always, one person laughing at me. Thank you, Rev. Uh, <laughs> white chocolate or jumbo shrimp. See, some of y'all get it. I mean, this is what I'm talking about. It's just, there's this oxymoron, if you will, when it comes to the fact of, that we've been grafted into, that we are, yes, we saved individually, but we're not the only ones saved individually. We have always, God from the beginning, has been creating for himself and building up for himself a people for himself that will be a light unto the world, a family, a community. And we see this throughout Scripture. Literally, the Scriptures scream biblical community. And we see, I think, one of the clearest ways in Acts um, chapter 2, 37 through 42, when Peter preaches, they're convicted, they, they heard it, they're convicted, and they say, what must we do? He says, you must re- repent. There's this repentance, salvation. Then he says, all of you must be baptized. And then in verse 32, he begins to talk about, this is the great picture we always see in the early church with community. You see repentance, baptism, and getting community. That's the order. You see it. So are you living in community today? Are you living in biblical community? I'm not talking about, we'll deal with what community actually looks like in the, in the bride of Christ and what it shouldn't look like and why we were so reluctant. But the writer says, man, hey, look, let us draw near with a, with a true heart and full assurance of faith. In other words, I like it's plural, us. It's not singular. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, in our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the confession of our hope Without wavering, that Jesus is Lord. He cleanses us. He forgives us. He is who He says we are. There's no other way. So it's almost as if He disarms as we as we walk into as we walk into biblical community. It seems as if the writer is disarming all of the excuses that we may have when we get to or having to be in community. It seems as if he's like, let, let me just let me just disarm all this stuff. It's like the old. Sitcom, Cheers, y'all know that. Y'all remember Cheers? Anybody used to love Cheers? You know, some, some um, sitcoms, when they came on, I just, I, I, I just kind of do this. I had to, like Morbus sabbaticals, like, right? MASH is one of them. Like the intro music is like, oh, when I heard MASH, I got depressed. Amen. It was, I don't know, it's just the weirdest deal. Some of them I got, I was excited. But it's funny that even the culture, a sitcom, rallied around life's issues At a bar, there's this this longing that the culture was even pointing at. This is many years back. That that, that we will always want to be a part of something when everybody knows your name. And I'm always glad that I came. That that everybody has the same problems around this this bar. No one's better than the next person. I'm not going to sing it. I was, but I'm not going to do that. But we always, all oh, too bad, amen. But, um, but we always want to be where somebody knows my name. And let me just say this. In the context we're living in, in light of COVID, hadn't this amplified? Being disconnected, we've heard it around the church. We've heard it. We've all echoed it. I feel disconnected. So many of the pastors, they're saying the same thing in their churches. Man, man, we feel so disconnected, disconnected, disconnected. Why? Why do we feel so disconnected? Because we were all wired, wired for biblical community, every single one of us. And so the writer now says, well, since we disarm some of the, the excuses, now let, uh, let us, here it is again, the second, let us consider, look at verse 24, a call to consider, We hold fast on the truth, for he who promised is faithful. He's not going to call you to something and then just kind of leave you out there. But he says, now let us, here's the third one, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Let us consider. This is very interesting. Why? Because the word really means to take notice, to consider, obviously, to pay attention to, or to look closely. When you walked into service today, when you walked onto the campus today, was this the depiction or the desire of your heart? When I walk into church today at Crossroads, I'm going to consider, I'm going to play close attention. I'm going, to, I'm going to take notice. I'm going to look very closely on how I can encourage my brothers and sisters in the faith. Not only that, but how can I help them to get in the game? It's really what the text is saying. Again, if you're living in community, if we're called to live in community, it's a commandment. If it's so important, why do we run from it like a plague? And I wrote down a couple things. Maybe it's an unhealthy desire for privacy and isolation. Maybe there's some of us in our lives. Maybe deep struggles, whether depression, alcoholism. I've seen this in many different contexts before other issues maybe um, that, that, that causes you to have a deep struggle. And it says, well, again, well, uh, I'm a believer, and I know I'm supposed to be in the house of God or even in biblical community in a small group, a life group, or whatever we may call it. I love what Rick said, but here it is. All of the excuses have been disarmed in the, the previous verses. Well, what about this one? People will judge me. No one will understand what I'm going through. Have you ever said that? Have you ever felt like that? I mean, this is, these are real dynamics and emotions that goes on within the human being. What about pretense? Some people want to admit, they don't want to admit, excuse me, flaws, because they, they think that their self-worth is dependent on everyone thinking you're, that you're perfect. I know these people. They're, they're never wrong, man. It's like, they're, like you, you don't have no sin. I, I mean, this is maybe pretense. what about this one? It's not for me. I don't need community. Now, let me just say this for the record. That's a lie from the underworld. That's a lie from the father of lies. Saying that you don't need community is like saying a fish, like a fish saying, I don't need a body of water to live in to to make it. Because naturally what happens, you take a fish out of water, what does it do? It flops around. There's some activity. There's a little bit of vigor still going on. It's still kind of alive. It appears to be alive. It's still doing its thing. It's flopping. But eventually, you give it enough time, it's going to demise. Here's what the writer is saying. You and I, we have to make sure that we let us, let us link arms, let us. I wish we could just all link arms in this bad boy right now. This is one big army. This is not an audience to be entertained. Let us, let us, let us. Let's consider how to stir up one another. Now, this also means, it's kind of interesting why, because it also means kind of a, not in a negative sense, in a positive sense, but, but to provoke, to, to edge on, to almost irritate Some of you are like, I know exactly who that person is. Amen, right? (laughs) To irritate, but in a positive way. Like to irritate so much so that you're pointing them, or whomever it may be, those watching online, you point them to um, their their full um, picture of who Jesus wants them to be. You point them in that direction by God's grace. But we only can do that if we're if we're really paying attention, and we can only do that if we're actually living in community. You see, when someone fails to submit to the command of Scripture, in other words, being in community, as we see in this text, let us just consider, this is serious language, they, whomever may be, man, woman, boy, girl, for the record, hear me say this, they forfeit the provision God has laid out for their spiritual growth. You say, well, I don't need people. I don't, well, you know, Again, we all need—we all need each other. The Christian faith is, and has always been, an an interdependent grouping of people rescued by Jesus Christ. But because of our sinfulness, we tend to drift away from that, towards either—see which camp you're in—towards either dependence on others. So then, therefore, we we find our identity and kind of our our feeling or self-worth from others and what others may say. So then we attach spiritual growth, um, quote-unquote, to what people may say about us versus being interdependent. Again, Romans 11, being grafted into the body of Christ. So dependence or independence. Again, I I can do it by myself. I don't need anybody. here's, Here's an issue. If you can miss church without being missed at church, something is missing. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you can miss church and not be missed at church, something seriously is missing. So the writer is saying, "Let us consider." And I love this too because being here when people are coming back, when we begin to open up the doors, it's funny. The staff was being go, "Oh, I saw so and so. Oh, I saw them. Oh, this is great. Oh, hey. Oh, oh. Oh, it's just I'm I'm sitting there because I'm new. I'm going, oh, I'm overwhelmed. I'm like, oh, I'm glad they're back too. Amen." But let us consider, let us consider, let us consider. And then he says, well, consider what? Well, how to call to stir up one another to really just to really stir them up. Do you know that all of us need a Paul and a Barnabas in our lives? All of us need a Paul and a Barnabas in our lives. And by the way, if you're a disciple, as we in this discipleship series, follow me. We all need a Timothy as well, in whom we're pouring into. So we all need a Paul, we all need a Barnabas, but we also need a Timothy. So a Paul is a person that will confront you and call you out lovingly and graciously, not trying to tear you down, but to build you up. And this is that whole idea of stirring. This is the whole idea of, um, I consider, I wanna um, provoke, if you will. I want to, I'm paying close attention because you're living your life like this. You're living basically the means. You're barely doing enough in the Christian life. And actually the writer, Paul was saying in 2 Corinthians that some of us, when we get to the end, we will jump through almost as if getting to eternity with almost our, our, our bottoms being burned by fire. It's like we barely got in there. He says that, that's in the Bible. We just do just enough to, I want just enough of Jesus, but I don't want too much of him to where the commandments really apply to me. I want just enough, Jesus, here, here's some keys. Um, yes, I want to give my soul to you, but as you begin to unlock some areas in my life, then guess what? Hey, you know what, Lord, Um, uh, you can get out of my kitchen. Uh, that's my refrigerator, so get out of my refrigerator. And what's in the refrigerator, that's mine. And so Jesus is like, okay, well, and, and you chain it up, put a big old chain on it, right? Um, And Jesus pops down, he wants to sit in your living room and watch some television. You say, well, ah, wait, 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 well, what I watch on Netflix and, and Prime or whatever the case may be, whatever you tune in, into, you say, well, Jesus, um, what I watch is, is my preference. So Jesus gets up and he goes to the bedroom and, and you're like, oh, whoa, 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 Jesus, whoa, whoa. And What I do in my room, is it's, it's all up. And so then he goes to the closet and he's like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then eventually it's almost as if we're saying, just give me the keys back. I mean, think, think of this. So for the Paul... And the Barnabas in our lives, the Paul is saying, I don't want you to live just a mediocre cavalier, just enough, barely doing it, barely doing the requirements, if you will, barely just kind of being around Jesus. We want to help you. Uh, I want you to lock in. I want you to look in. I want you to press in. I want you to be all that God has created you to be. And I'm going to tell you what, when you walk in that, nothing changes you, nothing stops you. Why? Because you're doing exactly what the creator has created you to do. There's nothing greater. and What happens, the heavens will begin to open. The heavens will open. If you and I are functioning as God desires you and I to function, if you're a microwave, you better be microwaving because the manufacturer has wired you to microwave. If you're a stove, you better be be cooking some stuff up. Don't look at the blender if you're a stove looking at the blender saying, blender, you ought to to make this meal because it's not the blender's responsibility. But the blender was created to do what the blender was created to do. In other words, you better be blending. Any blenders in the house? If you're a fork, if you're a spoon, again, it's not all the big appliances, but every single thing in the kitchen, in God's sovereign kitchen, is created to come together, to pull its own part, and then you have the Pauls of life, the Barnabases of life, to come in and say, hey, ah, man, you need to be used a little bit differently. Ah, you need to really press in, turn it up a little bit. Here's the case. Why? Because in God's sovereign kitchen, we are all placed here to cook a sovereign, um, just a gospel meal so that the world can eat from it, but I that, we all play a part, and it happens, and it's triggered, and it's propelled in biblical community. I'll tell you, y'all, y'all can say I'm really passionate about this one. This is it, so we all need that. Verse 24, he says, well, then, hey, uh, and let us consider how to stir up one another, and hey, you better microwave, hey, you better, you need to really do this to love and good works. Now, mind you, this is interesting because the context is he's talking about biblical community being together. But it's hard to consider or hard to, um, to spur or stir up one another if people are in isolation. It's hard to really call somebody to real biblical love if they're living in isolation. It's hard to really stir somebody up to, to good works if they're, living in, if they're living in isolation. How can we provoke that? How, 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 do you, how do you do that? But it's interesting because the writer says... And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet, as is the habit. Now, the habit deal is very interesting. The last thought is a call to stir up one another. Um, but this whole love and good works habit is habitual. Now, this can be very reading this, you go, man, I miss church. I feel bad about myself. That's not, that's not what the text is teaching. I miss church. had a legitimate reason. Oh my, I don't want to ever miss church again. Right? It's like, man, you heard that message? Oh my God. No, no, that's not what the text is teaching. This is not, again, this is the text is actually combating religiosity and and just religion because they want to go back to Judaism, if you will. They want to go back, but Christ is better. He's canceled all that stuff. He's fulfilled all the law requirements. So the text is not teaching that. In other words, it's, it's teaching when you and I, whomever it may be, I want to include myself, when we get to a place where we feel as if it's okay to continue to miss church or continue to miss small group, that's not a good place. And as I was thinking about this, putting this together, I'm going, man, um, like just to say I'm, I don't, don't want to be a part or I'm just going to stay away. And, and I don't know what the reasons may be for some people. Again, some are legit, some are not legit. That's just really like giving up on, you're giving up not just on yourself, but so many other people. Have you thought about that? Like the body of Christ is so intertwined that Paul would even argue and say, if one body has done good, the whole body rejoices. And if one member in the body is in sin, the whole body suffers. Let let, let that sit in for a little bit. So in other words, she's saying, this is not a game. I want to crank you up to a higher living, to a higher level, uh, to a kingdom mindedness not a superficial based on what I want, based on my preferences not no, 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 he said I want to crank you up so you can be in the midst of persecution, you can be resurrected, you can be actually lifted up so people can see you in such a way and say I know it can't be, we're persecuting them, it doesn't make sense but in the midst of me persecuting them they're showing love, they're showing mercy they're doing good works, they're doing all this stuff to us, it doesn't make sense and then what happens we point people to Jesus this is the irony of the whole text this is the backbone of the text and so just want to make sure that you and I understand this there's a lot at stake your presence is important we're not taking a role this is not again check mark I feel good for myself that's religion I made the church good I feel good we're not talking about that Neither is this what the text is talking about, but for the sake of the body of Christ, for the sake of where we're at as a culture, for the sake of the bride growing and actually cooking the sovereign kingdom meal that God desires to cook here at Crossroads, we all need to play our part and be here. I'm let the Spirit of God do that for you. But he says, not neglecting to meet though. That word neglect is very interesting. We're almost done. It means to abandon or forsake. Or to desert. Y'all remember what Paul said in 2 Timothy 4? He said, uh, Demas, he was with him in the beginning, but he deserted him. Because of the love of the world. Just Demas is like, man, yeah, Paul, we love what you're doing. We love this. Yeah, yeah. Building tents, planting churches. Yeah. And then like, they just, he, out of nowhere, deserted Paul. This is the same language here. Neglect. It's also the same language used in Matthew 27 and verse 46, when Jesus uttered these words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken, forsaken me? This is serious. Literally the same language. So what do we do with this? We got to encourage each other. We need the Pauls. We need the Barnabas. We got to encourage each other to live out our, our biblical faith. It's proven that when people are living in community the stats are higher in so many different areas they they serve more their percentages are up tremendously sharing their faith when people are in community they share they're more prone to share their faith even when giving, when they're, when they're in community, they're, they're willing to go, okay, I realize biblically that what I have is not mine. It all belongs to the Lord, and I need to be faithful to what God has put in my position as a good steward. They're more prone to give. Not only that, they're more prone to reading their Bible on a regular basis. People, this is true. People living in biblical community, this is what happens. Not only reading their Bible, but they also have a posture and a, and a passion for prayer. Something happens when we live in community. So Marcus, okay, well, help me. What's some evidences, if you will, of Christian community? How do we actually do it? I think the best way to do it is, is to look at Jesus. How did Jesus model this for us? How did he do it? John 13, 34 says, "A new commandment I give you that you love one another just as I have loved you. So we look at Christ's, his, 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 his example, excuse me. So what did Jesus do? He served us. Are you serving others? Literally, this is what the Lord did. He served us. Are you serving others? Work, home, school, etc. He leveraged his abilities for the needs of others. Are you leveraging your life for others? Think of this. Are you leveraging your life for the gospel? Are you leveraging your life for, for other people around you? This is I love this. He said, "Let us consider how to stir up one another to loving good works." I don't want to leave anybody out not neglecting to meet, not to um, you know, dismiss or desert, forsake to meet with one another, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. Here it is. Well, what else did Jesus do? Well, he shared in our pain and our sorrows. Are you sharing in the, the pain and the sorrows of other people? And the Bible would even say this, by doing so, we fulfill the law by bearing one another's burdens. He lived among us. Here's a key one. Are you really involved in people's lives? Your neighbors, do your neighbors know you? Do you really know your neighbors? Think of this, this is crucial. And everything I'm listening, I'm trying my best, my wife and I, as she's watching, she'll be at the second hour, is we're trying to model this as best we can. Why am I here? It's not gonna be good enough to get to heaven and look at Jesus and him say, man, you did really good, man. You're like a real cool Christian. You did just enough Hopefully we can live a life, as Paul said, I want to be a poured out drink offering. A poured out drink offering. No reservations. And even as a senior adult, you're saying, well, I'm like in the fourth quarter of my life. And some of you, you're probably in overtime, which is good, amen, God gives you overtime. But how can you leverage it? Yeah, how can you leverage it? How can you leverage it? How can you leverage it? If you're still breathing, God has a reason. He didn't call you or didn't save you to sit he didn't save us to sit and say well keep going and some of us were not able to do so understand that because physically i do understand i want to be sensitive to this but he didn't save you to sit and kind of just cheer on other people doing the work if they're not a microwave they, they they're not going to microwave god has called you to play a unique role and so jesus he modeled this he he was in the lives of other people he understood how to live with people, but also he modeled it for us. He bridged the gap to get to us. Heaven coming down to earth. The holy connected with the hellish. Divinity connected with dirt. Are you bridging the gap to reach other people? In your life, are you bridging the gap? I'm going to share one story as we close. and I'm not, I'm not going to be honest. I'm not really proud of it, but it happened. I was on an airplane this week, coming, uh, going to a place Tuesday. And I get on the an airplane and, and, you know, you, you're tired, you got a lot going on, and just, you, you put your headphones on, you want to just space out. Let me just, just kind of, easy escapism. Noise cancellation headphones, oh for sure, right? Tune everything out. Take off, land, there's a young kid next to me, he's about 26, 28. He had a copy of scripture. I saw it. Plain lands, he was asleep halfway through, bless his heart, he probably saw it, I was asleep, Be like, I ain't gonna mess with this guy. But he was asleep, we had a seat in between us, that's kind of the whole protocol now. He was so far over on his armrest, his head was all, still almost touching me on my side. I was starting to go, you know, man. I started starting to do that. Just one of those, just one of those oops. You feel me? Just oops. Oh, I was trying to reach for my drink. Oops. You know what I mean? Plane lands. People are beginning to get off. He leans over, in the most frightened manner. He says, uh, "Do you, do you, do 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 you know Jesus?" To me. Now, he had no idea what he was getting into, right? But I'm going to tell you something. I encouraged him. I said, man, I'm so proud of you. I played along a little bit, and I said, you know, I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor. And then he, you should have saw his face. He was like, thank the Lord. Amen, right? It was like, you know, it was, just a, it was a real hallelujah moment. Like, I don't have to continue to share my faith. Woo, right? I'm a pastor. Gave him a card. Prayed with him. But I told him this, I said, you know what? I'm so encouraged by you. I'm on a plane with other pastors. We're going to go meet and just talk about how do, we, how do we lead post-COVID? How do we do it effectively? I said, man, thank you for sharing your faith. That convicted me. Here I am, the pastor guy. He was living out his faith. have much to do with community but i just want to encourage you he realized he had a part to play with a complete stranger didn't know me from adam didn't know me from a cup of Campbell's soup but he still leaned over and said do you know jesus i'm gonna be honest with you all that that was so um enlightening as if the Lord, even in his sense of humor, is going, Marcus, you see, you can't preach it and don't do it. Now I'm being transparent up here, y'all. I'm being very vulnerable up here right now. Don't leave me up here by myself. We've all been there. But can we just corporately do this? Rock, I know piano player, bless us. says, she just plans. Fingers have blisters in a little bit. I'm going too long. Can we just, as a church, I mean, this is just a declaration of us going, you know what, going forward, I want to I flush out Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. Can we be a Hebrews 10, 19 through 25 church? If you say I'm willing to, I'm up for this challenge, no matter where I'm at, in my age. No matter what I really think I have to offer, you have much to offer if you're, if you're blood-bought. But as a church, let's say, man, we really wanna flesh this thing out to where we can really be a taste of heaven a long way from home. If you're with me, I just want you to stand. So I wanna flesh out my, in the sovereign kitchen of God and how he's wired me, I wanna do this. I, I really wanna, I wanna play my part. I'm not going to look at the next person. I'm not going to be, you know, man, you're, you're not blending properly and just ridiculing them. I want to be, help me be a Paul and a Barnabas, but also help me to be, help me to be praying for Timothy timidity in my life that could be pouring into somebody. Help me to be pouring into somebody. What a great picture. This is beautiful. So Father, right now, we just come to you saying, thank you. Thank you that you live. Eternity pass. As a triune God, you live in the perfect picture of community. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Without division, without friction, harmony. And Lord, that harmony you desire for your people to experience. We desire as a church to walk in this. We thank you for scripture that points us out, that holds us accountable, that encourages us. But help us to really flesh out Hebrews Hebrews 10. Help us to be a church that's safe, but not soft. We desire to play our role in your sovereign kitchen that maybe, just maybe, you can cook up a meal for those around us immediately in the greater Houston area and then around the country and around the world that will smell this beautiful aroma. First, that's pleasing to you. But others may say, what must I do to be saved? Help us to play our part, Master. In your name we pray. Amen.